0: if you would uh, turn to joshua 21 joshua 21 which you find on page 196 of the church bible and uh, we're going to be looking at verses uh, just three verses verses 43 to 45 uh, in a few Let's just pray before we come to God's word. Let's pray. Okay? Lord, we thank you that as we have just sung, you, O oh Lord, are not silent. You have spoken. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken through creation, which declares the glory of your very person. The heavens declare the glory of God. You just. And Lord, we thank you that you've not only spoken to us through creation, but you have also spoken to us through your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word discloses and confirms the glory of your in person. But Lord, we thank you that your word also declares to us your mercy and your kindness, through your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, we pray that as we turn to your word now, that you would indeed speak to us and teach us from it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us over the past few years, um, and by way of explanation to uh, to those who are visiting, quite often when our minister has been away, uh, we've... uh, Come back to the book of Joshua, so that's why we've been moving rather slowly uh, through it. Uh, but if you've been with us over the past year or so, as we have spent time studying this book, you may recall us observing that the overall theme of the book is about how God can be trusted to keep his promises. Now, although we haven't quite reached the end of the book this morning, The verses that we've come to, Joshua 21 verses 23 to 45, really provide its conclusion. Yes, there are a couple more chapters to go, but in some respects these are an epilogue, as it were, to the finale, which we find here. It's as if everything that has gone on in the chapters before can be summarised in these three verses. Indeed, we could go further, for the message of the book of Joshua can even be condensed down to the last four words that we read here. And those four words are, all came to pass. These verses then, sum are the theme of the book of Joshua, so let's read them together. Joshua 21 verses 43 to 45 thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and they settled there and the Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers not one of all their enemies had withstood them for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. The promises referred to here can be traced back to some of the early chapters that we find in the Bible, in particular in Genesis chapter 12 we read that God told Abraham to leave Haran and go to the land which he would show him. And as Abraham trusted God, he obeyed.
1: And having come to the land
0: of Canaan, he reached a place called Shechem. And there we read that the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, to your descendants, I will give this land. Well, We have a, a colloquial phrase in English, which is, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Well, here, in Joshua 21, as the tribes of Israel settled down into the land of Canaan, we find, if you like, the proof of the pudding. Here we find the evidence that God did indeed keep his promise to Abraham, the promise that he made first back in Genesis 12. And although the promise was made first to Abraham there, it was a promise which was reiterated, not only to Abraham, but also later it was repeated to his son Isaac in Genesis 26, and then again to his grandson Jacob in Genesis 28. Well, as we consider how God kept his promise this morning, we'll do so under three headings. A promise fulfilled, a promise foreshadowed, and then the promise assured. promise fulfilled, the promise foreshadowed, and then the promise assured. And uh, before I start, just uh, to give you a little bit of comfort, I should mention that. First point is somewhat longer than the last two, so don't go look at your watches and being too worried. Let's then uh, look and consider the promise fulfilled, and we see this in verse 43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. This verse tells us that the Israelites didn't just wander in to the land of Canaan by chance. Neither were the victories that we read of in uh, Jericho and Haim, the result of some brilliant military strategy or scheme. As they settled into the land and made their homes there, it wasn't a, a serendipitous turn of events, good fortune. That they just stumbled upon. Now, this verse reminds us that it was the Lord who gave them the land. And as they settled down into that promised land, this was the result of an express purpose of God. Their new home had been given to them solely because of God's volition. It was God's choice to do so. But not only that, this verse, verse 43, reminds us that it was not a turn of events which had come out of the blue. It was something that had been expected. It was something that had been foretold. It was something that had been promised. For this verse reminds us that more than 400 years previously, the Lord had promised This would happen. A couple of years ago, uh, my son and I uh, visited Ellis Island in New York. It's where the immigrants from Europe first arrived when they came to America. And as we walked around the old immigration halls and saw the exhibits, you could almost sense the anticipation that the new arrivals must have felt as uh, they saw the Statue of Liberty come into view, and as they disembarked from ocean liners to start a new life in a new land. You see, when Abraham left Haran, he wasn't like those immigrants arriving in America. He wasn't setting out to start a new life in the land of Canaan. He was looking for something beyond that, something much more wonderful. If we turn to Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 10, this is explained to us, we're told there, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him at the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You see, when Abraham came to the land of Canaan, he hadn't reached his final destination. For him, Canaan was a foreign land in which he had to pitch his tent. He was just a sojourner passing through because he was looking for something better still. The land of Canaan, which was the object of God's promise to him, Pointed Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to something far better. It pointed them to another promised land. That other promised land is described in Hebrews there as a city which is designed and built by God, a city built on a foundation. And that foundation we now know to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a city which ultimately. We read about in the book of Revelation, don't we? The new heavens and the new earth, which will be established. What Abraham is looking forward to then, both he and indeed we, as Christian believers, will find in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as the Lord promised that the Abraham's earthly descent would be given the earthly promised land of Canaan. So, did the Lord promise that Abraham's spiritual descendants would be given a heavenly promised land? This was a real land of promise for Abraham, not Canaan. And it's a real land of promise for us, too. It's the promise of an eternal heavenly home where we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Now, as we consider the link between God promising the land of Canaan and the fulfillment of that promise in the book of Joshua, there are two things I'd like us to note. Firstly, we should note that God kept his promise in spite of the failings of Abraham and his descendants. You know, if you look back through the intervening chapters, Between Genesis and Joshua, there are plenty of events which might look as if they would have put the promise in danger. Abraham's faith wavered rather than relying on God. He made his own plans to make the promise come true. That's never a good idea, and Abraham soon found that there were spectacular failings that ended. Abraham's son, Isaac, was more interested in indulging his favorite son than following the Lord's will that had been revealed to him. And then Isaac's other son, Jacob, he had no qualms about twisting the truth, even when it suited his own purposes. And as you read on in the intervening chapters, you find the ensuing years book slavery in Egypt, years of wandering in the wilderness, Through all these events, the Israelites should learn that they could trust and rely on God's faithfulness. Instead, they were consumed, consumed with doubt, and sometimes even resorted to outright rebellion. Yet, despite all these setbacks, what do we find here in verse 43? The Lord gave to Israel all the land he to give the to their fathers. And that's the first practical point of application that we can take away from this passage this morning. For we're shown here that the Lord will bring to us, bring us to our heavenly home, our promised land, in the Lord Jesus. Despite an instant of our best efforts to make a mess following him. By fulfilling his promise to Abraham, in spite of all the events which could have derailed, God shows us that he will fulfill his promise to us. You know, John chapter 17, the Lord Jesus Christ prays to his heavenly Father, saying, Those whom you have given to me, I have kept. And that is what he will do, despite the fickleness of our faith, in spite of our disobedience, in in spite of sometimes falling into sin in the most spectacular ways, what happens? The Lord teaches us a lesson, he encourages us, he picks us up. Why? Well, the Lord is determined to fulfill his promise if we have come to Christ and we put our trust in him, he has promised to us that we will inherit the new heaven and the new earth. There's a second thing I think we should note from the context of this verse, verse 43. And that is that God kept his promise in spite of the defiance of the Amorites who were then living in the land Five books of the Bible stand between God giving His promise to Abraham and Shechem and the promise being fulfilled. The Israelites had to wait four hundred years before they could settle in that land. And the passage that we read in uh, Genesis chapter fifteen tells us why it took so long. For we're told there that it would happen after 400 years because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet complete. we just sung in Psalm 19, and that psalm tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Or if you notice the words, it's on your service sheet, but they're there in verses two and three. Every day and every night declare that God made us. And the psalmist tells us in verse three that, that voice is heard. Don't you remember if you were here when the queen died last year? The day after, town criers up and down the land proclaimed the death of the queen and the fact that we had a new king. Now it might have been a rather quaint tradition but up and down the land, this fact was proclaimed. It was shouted out, so that no one could be in any doubt about what had happened. What's the psalmist? It's the same when it comes to God. The creative world around us proclaims that God is the master of the universe. And no one should be under any alternative illusion. Friends, if you take just a moment to consider the perfect design of the world around us, then the Bible tells us that they should tell us that there is someone who is worthy of our undivided praise and worship. See, says the psalmist everyone needs to sit up, take note, smell the coffee. And the Ammonites were no different. They were supposed to take note of the voice that declared this truth to them. And yet they chose to ignore it. For 400 years they continued in their sin, and for all that time the Lord restrained judgment. And yet they continued to ignore and defy the living God. as time went by, the voice got louder. Perhaps initially it was the heavens that declared the glory of God, but as time passed by, there was more. The Canaanites heard of the Israelites escaping from Egypt and crossing the Red Sea. They heard of the supernatural destruction of Pharaoh's armies, and then the voice became louder still. They witnessed that the Israelites the river Jordan on the dry land they saw the walls of Jericho fall at the shout of the the men of Israel
1: you see the voice became louder and louder and louder
0: and yet still they hardened their hearts and refused to acknowledge the reality of who God was why did God delay 400 years before fulfilling his promise to Abraham got delayed in a way because the Amorites weren't yet bad enough their iniquity was not yet complete but in the end yeah. enough was enough and the Lord brought their defiance to an end and friends this is the second practical lesson That you can take away from this passage. Though we are all sinners, God is patient with us. Though we all choose our own way rather than God's, the Lord is patient and His judgment is restrained. Because you see, the Lord gives us time to hear the voice. Firstly, He gives us time to hear the voice of creation declared by the heavens. And he gives us time to hear the voice of the gospel as we find it in the Bible. And then even louder still is the testimony of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the cross, the truth about Jesus is it's like like the town crier ringing his bell and shouting out. And we ought to be deafened when we hear that Jesus rose from the dead and more than 500 people witnessed his res- resurrected body on one occasion. You see, God gives us time to appreciate how serious our sin is for a holy God. He gives us time to repent of it and he gives us time to turn to Christ. But my friends, it won't be forever. This is what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and as a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. But that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief,
1: and then the heavens will pass away with the war, and the heavenly
0: bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So you see, here in verse 43, Joshua 21, we find confirmation that the Lord fulfilled his promise to Abraham. And the Lord delayed the fulfillment of the promise, but despite this delay, there was never any doubt that God would do what he promised. God delayed so that the sin of the Amorites would be complete. My friends, if God has given you time, then don't squander that time. Has so graciously given to you." Well, if that was the promise fulfilled, then we need to move on to verse 44, the promise foreshadowed. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. In this verse, the spotlight shifts from the land which had been promised to Abraham's descendants to the prospect of victory, and the peace and rest which had been promised to the Israelites. The battles were over, the enemies had been subdued, and after all the toil and the bloodshed and the long marches, the Israelites were able to enjoy a, a peace which had been promised to them. Now, we've commented on several occasions as we've worked our way through the book of Joshua that it's a book that contains many types within its narrative. These are events or people which point to a spiritual reality. The real thing is the antitype, which is pictured in the type. What then should we understand by the rest? which is spoken of here. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Yes, it has a, a, a historical significance for the uh, for the Israelites. They had peace because their enemies had been subdued. But what about us? What's the point of it? Well, although Joshua led Israel into their rest in the Promised Land, it wasn't a perfect rest. You don't need to turn many more pages in your Bible before you realise that it didn't last very long and trouble soon returned. And the reason for this is that the rest which God gave to Israel through Joshua was just a type for a picture. And again, the book of Hebrews helps our understanding in this. For in Hebrews 11 verse 8 we read this. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from the writer of the Hebrews then refers to the rest given through Joshua, but also speaks of the anti-type, the thing pictured in the type, which is the real rest that we have in God. This is the inheritance of all those who follow, not the type, the shadow of Joshua, but those who follow the antitype, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the real rest, which is the place where we will be with the Lord forever, once the toils of this life are finished. You know there are times when the Christian life is tough, isn't it? We have to contest with disappointments, sometimes disappointments of others, sometimes disappointments with ourselves. Some of us have struggles with particular sins, others have seasons of illness, others are having to endure times of particularly difficult providences. But verse 44 here reminds us that the Lord promises a future rest to those who follow him. Heaven is not explained in detail to us in the Bible, but we do have glimpses such as that which we have in Revelation 21 where we read that God will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, there shall be no more pain former things have passed away. Friends, verse 44 of Joshua 21 reminds us that since God gave rest to the children of Israel just as he had promised, this foreshows the rest that we may
1: have that he promises
0: to give us if we believe and trust in him. This is the hope that is set before us as Christians, isn't it? If we follow our Joshua through life, even the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be taken to that rest, that heavenly home. Well, that's the promise fulfilled and the promise foreshadowed. We come lastly then to the promise assured. Let's look at verse 45. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. In each of these verses here, we have read that God promised. God promised to give Abraham's descendants, the land of Canaan, to live in. He promised that he would give rest to his people there. And here in verse 45, we are told that not one word of those promises had failed, And the significance of this is that the promises referred to here are not just casual promises that we might make in conversation. Rather, they are earnest undertakings that God has made himself. I might promise to meet you for a cup of coffee, You shouldn't hold your breath. All manner of things might happen. Perhaps the trains might be delayed, or I might have a diary crash and I need to be somewhere else. Or perhaps most likely of all, I'll simply forget. But the language here is not that of a casual promise. It's strong language. For we're told here that the Lord swore to give the land to them. This is the language of a solemn agreement, what we would call a covenant.
1: And we can get an insight into this
0: if we look back again at Genesis 15, the passage that we read earlier in the service. Because here in Genesis 15, the Lord reiterates his promise to Abraham, the promise that he would inherit the land and his descendants In verse 7 of that chapter, this is what we read. God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And in response to Abraham's question, we have this account of a very strange ceremony. Various animals were killed, cut in half and laid on the ground, with a pathway in between. Then as the sun went down and Abraham fell asleep, and then the sun went down and Abraham fell asleep. And then in what is described as a, a dreadful and great darkness, God reiterates his promise to give the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants. And there in the darkness a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed along the path in between the butchered carcasses of the animals. Now this might seem strange to you or me, But for the people living at that time, it was a ceremony which was understood. It was something done within their culture. What do young children in the school playground say if they're trying to convince their friends that they're telling the truth? Many years ago, when I was that age, the saying was, cross my heart and hope to die. And it's a very serious thing to say, isn't it? Because you're putting your life on it, as it were. Well, the ceremony which is described here in Genesis chapter 15 has a similar message. Well, it's actually much more serious. The two parties would make a solemn agreement and bind themselves into a covenant. And by walking between the seven animals, the two parties would make what's called a self-maledictory promise. In effect, they were saying, if I break my promise, I call upon myself all the ill that's happened to these animals. If I break my promise, may I become like these butchered carcasses. And if I have an example of it recorded in Jeremiah 34, Verses 18 to 20, this is what we read. The men who transgressed my covenant, this is God speaking through Jeremiah, the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf they had cut into and passed between its parts. The officials of Judah and the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. See what happened? They've gone, they made one of these covenants, they've gone between the parts of this severed animal. They've made a promise to God and they broke broken it. And then God says in verse 20: I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. So you see, it's a serious thing. And if we look back at Genesis 15, who do we find going through this covenant-making ceremony? It's not Abraham. He's asleep. Verse 17 tells us that it was a smoking firepot and a flaming torch which passed between the severed animals. What do we do understand by this? Well, this is what theologians, call the theophany, it's a temporary or sudden appearance of God. And although it was an exceptional occurrence, which we find occasionally in the Old Testament, there are some other occasions when fire and smoke indicate God's presence with his people. If You think when the Israelites were led out of Egypt, Exodus 13 tells us that the Lord, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So then when we turn back to Genesis 15, we we see this strange ceremony. It is God who passes between the seven animals. It is God who is making this solemn promise. God unilaterally and voluntarily enters into this solemn, self-maledictory promise that he will give the land of Canaan to the Israelites. And this is what secured the promise that was fulfilled in Joshua 21. In passing between the animals, the Lord answered Abraham's doubts. In effect, God was saying to Abraham, you can trust me. If I fail to fulfill my promises, then may I become like these butchered carcasses, torn asunder in this dreadful, and this is the reason that when we get to the end of Joshua 21, we read these words all came to pass. But, friends, there's more. We said earlier that just as the Lord had promised that Abraham's earthly descendants, would be given the earthly promised land. So too the Lord promised Abraham's spiritual descendants would be given a heavenly promised land. (sighs) We are sinners like the Amorites, aren't we? How can God keep his self-maladictory promise and bring us into the new heaven? The earth. How can God ensure that we too will enter his rest? How will God ensure that we dwell with him and that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes? Well, the answer is to be found in the darkness as Abraham slept, isn't it? We need to be very careful about applying types and shadows because they all have their limitations. But turn the pages of the Bible and you will come to another day when there was a great and a dreadful darkness that fell on the land. We're at the cross at Calvary, aren't we? Lord Jesus Christ is hanging there. The Son cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then his body becomes a butchered carcass. Friends, this is what secures God's promise to those who put their trust in Jesus. This is why there will come a day when we will echo the conclusion in these verses at the end of the book of Joshua. We will be gathered there with all those others who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be able to say, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made have failed. All has come to pass. Let's pray Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you have made voluntarily, undeserved by us. We marvel, Lord God, at your graciousness towards your people. You have set your love upon them without cause and without reason. Lord, we thank you that your promises are ever sure and true. And that whoever comes to the Lord Jesus Christ unto me, you will in no wise cast out. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that we have that you will keep us. Until that day, when they might be with you, Lord, at that time, we will join with a countless host of others to acknowledge our praise and our worship to you. For you indeed have been and will be a faithful God, and every word that you have said will come true. Bless you, Lord, for all this, and pray that we might draw strength for the days and weeks ahead. In Jesus' name.